0: Good morning. morning. The scripture today is from Colossians 2 6 to 15. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition. And the elemental spirit, spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us he has taken it away nailing it to the cross and having disarmed the powers and authorities he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them by the cross this is the word of the lord Thank you. Thank you,
1: I don't don't want to cause any of you trauma, so I, I want to be cognizant that this beginning illustration of how we're going to jump into this passage could, in fact, cause a little bit for some of you, depending on what your life was like in primary school. If you were like me in primary school when it was that break time, um, that recess, that in-between, but when after lunch you got to play outside for a little bit, there would be occasionally uh, groups of boys and girls that would gather together. And in that gathering together, they would decide that it would be good to play some sort of sports with one another in the 15 minutes they had before they had to go back and learn their arithmetic or start reading again. And so normally what would happen is first the game would be chosen, so whether it be kickball or cricket or whatever, and then there would need to be teams. And what would inevitably happen is there would be two people who would decide that they would be the leaders of those teams. Now, I understand that there's big differences between the United States and Australia. I understand that in Australia, a lot of people don't like the idea of leadership. So I don't know if people like chose straws or how you guys do it over here, but I will tell you that when I was in elementary school, it was always the first, loudest, most boisterous person that was like, I've got this team, I've got this team. Is that the same as it happens here? Yeah. Yeah, good. All right, just making sure. So Hannah was the leader often. (laughs) And then what would inevitably happen is you would begin to choose, and they would go, I want Randy, I want Susie, I want John, I want... And you would go to your teams. Now, I say that because I know there are some of you, some of us, that maybe watch people... Going on to teams until we got to just you standing there by yourself, (laughs) waiting, hoping that somebody would choose you. Now, the great way to circumvent that is to be the loudest, boldest, brightest to say, I'm going to choose teams. But oftentimes we would just wait until they would choose our teams. And so there are places where you felt want or desire or you might have in that situation not felt wanted or desired. I want you to hear this very loudly. I'm not gonna scream it. There are two teams and they don't want to choose you last. They absolutely beyond a shadow of a doubt, desire to have you on their team. Augustine puts it this way. There is the city of God and there is the city of man. Some have talked about it as being the kingdom of God versus the empire, or shalom even versus empire. We see that all throughout the Bible, that there is this battle that is raging between Those who want to control us that are empire and those in God in his shalom that desires to love us and have us with him. You see, each one of you are so valuable that there is a battle that is constantly going on for your attention and your allegiance. If you don't believe me, just look up the stats on multimedia and commercials and how much is spent to get you to be someone who uses someone's product. Anytime that there is an issue that is arising, like now, that is currently happening in our country, there are sides proclaiming and spending tons of money to grab your attention and your allegiance to bring you into their camp so that they have you. Now, in Colossians, Paul knows that. And he's writing to the churches in Colossae and Laodicea, and he's letting them know that there is a battle that is going on for your attention and your allegiance. There is a desire to have you on one team or another team. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to dig deeper into what that means. And so today, we want to talk about the foundation that Paul wants to lead for us. That Paul to the church in Colossae is saying, you have a foundation as you enter into this battle. And it is a battle for your heart and your mind and your soul. A battle for all your strengths Because you're that valuable. That people want. And so today we're going to talk through what does it mean to have a foundation and what does that foundation look like? Next week, we're going to talk a little bit more practically about how we engage with this battle. And then in the third week, we're going to talk about maybe what are a few things that are out in the world who are actually vying for our allegiance and how do we, with the gospel, deal with those? But perhaps you're saying to yourself, uh, Lee, tell me where you're getting that in the scripture. That would be good since you're a pastor. I want you to look at verse six and I want you to look at verse 15. Verse six, it says, so then just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. And then verse 15, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public Spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. You see, in those two places, Paul is distinctly saying that in this battle for your allegiance, Jesus has triumphed. When when Paul calls out and said, now that you've received Jesus, Christ Jesus, as Lord, it is a direct attack on Caesar. Because Caesar is Lord. Caesar is the one who is bringing peace. Caesar is the one who gives them what they need. Caesar is the one who has cared for them. And what Paul is saying is, no, Jesus is Lord. He is the one you submit to. He is the one who protects you. He is the one who guides you. He is the one who provides for you. And he goes even beyond that then in, chapter, in verse 15 and says, not only is Jesus Lord and Caesar and the empire and, and all those other things in the city of man might be little lords. He says, no, they've absolutely been disarmed from all their power. They have no power or standing or authority at all. Not only that, Jesus on the cross has made them a public spectacle. Saying that all that they promise you, all that they say that they will give to you is foolishness, a public spectacle, because of what Jesus has done. And so that's good news for us. That's a place for us to go, yes, so in Christ, as it says here, continue to live your lives in him. I have a Lord who desires me differently than the Lords of this world. I have one that has actually defeated those powers that seem to wrestle in my soul and spirit so hardly, so so radically moving towards me, wanting to gain my allegiance, that Jesus, in fact, has disarmed them. That for those of us who are in Christ, living our lives in him, they no longer have power over us. That ultimately we can look at it and say, no, I'm not going to submit to authority that you no longer have. But he reminds us that we cannot do that unless we are rooted and built up in Jesus, unless we're strengthened by our faith that is within him. He says, continue to live your life in Christ as you are what? Rooted and built up in him, strengthened by the faith that he gives you, that he has perfected. I think it's good for us to think through how these relationships work. You see, the relationship of these powers that have been defeated are based on a transactional sort of relationship. If you do, if you follow, if you submit, then we will give you these things. If you align yourself with how we believe, If you align yourself with what our values are, then you'll be in good graces. Then you'll be accepted. Then you'll be okay. But if you don't, then there is punishment. If you don't, then you will receive the wrath. If you don't, then we'll do everything that we can to either shun you or bring you into alignment. However, with Christ, In the city of God, this is a reciprocal relationship. It is one where the Father is not looking for what he can get from you, but in fact looking for what he has given to you. In the city of God, it's not about how valuable you are and what you can bring to the situation. It is your value that comes from God's desire to have you on his team. how do we know that? Well, Paul reminds us of what this relationship looks like in verses nine all the way through the rest of these sections that we're looking at. First, he wants to remind us that Christ, in fact, is the fullness of the deity, that he is the head over every authority. But then he says this, it is in Christ you have been brought to fullness. That it is in Christ that your emptiness, that in Christ your lackingness, that in Christ your inability to be all that you want to be, which is the promise of the world, right? I'll make you and I'll give you everything you want to be who you are and who you want to be. He says, no, I know who you're supposed to be. And in me, you will be as full as you are. You'll be the real you. The truth, you, that you were made to be, but that only happens within me. And then he gives this great illustration of circumcision and baptism. And we're going to come back to that in just a second and what they mean to us. But verse 13 says, when you were dead in your sins and in the circumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all of our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. And he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. That it is for you and I that God comes and moves. And that's the reason why it is reciprocal. We receive in this relationship. It is God that is doing the work. Now, if you've ever been on a team, you know that there are ways to signify that you're on that team. There are places for you to be able to identify as a person who is on that team, whether it be a jersey or a tattoo that you all might get or any number of ways that you're like, yep, that's my team, that's who I am with. Well, Jesus reminds us here through Paul that there are two ways that we recognize what is happening to us. To clarify and make very obvious to those around us that we're different and we're not part of the city of man, that we're part of the city of God. The first is circumcision and the second is baptism. Now, when he goes into circumcision is because when when God calls Abraham and I've put that in the, the, the readings in Genesis 17, the additional readings that you can look at. When he calls Abraham, he does something. He asks him to do something, which is to circumcise himself. Yes, out, (laughs) surely. He does that because nobody else is doing it. There, There are scholars that have looked and studied trying to find, are there places where this else might happen? He does it because he's ready to purify Abraham. He's ready to bring him in. But it signifies a difference from the world. Now, what he says here, though, is this is not a a circumcision that's done by man. That this is a circumcision that is done by God. And it is not just a circumcision that is a physical circumcision because it is both for men and women. It is a circumcision that is of our heart. And Deuteronomy, one of the second readings that we have that you can look at reminds us that it is a circumcision of the heart that is important. Listen to this, why this is important for us to understand. In verse 11, it says, In him you who were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands, your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. One of the questions that I get often and I often ask myself is why do I continue to battle and rage against my desire to do things that I know are opposite of what God has created me to do? Why do I always seem to be enamored by the city of man, by the shininess of the throne of my heart and deciding to set on it? Well, part of the reason is I neglect the truth that is present in this passage hear what he says, your whole self, that's everything about you, which was ruled by the flesh. Now, because of what Jesus has done in your circumcision, has taken it off of your hearts. And you are empowered then by Holy Spirit to step in those places where the flesh is wanting to grow back and say, that can't happen. Not because of me, not because of my own strength, but because of what Christ is doing in and through me. That he's taken it off. It will not return. And so that's a blessing for us that are in Christ. That those selfish motivations can be tampered down. That there are places that even when we step into those places of flesh, it is through God that we recognize it and we are called to repent. And say, Father, forgive me in this place. But then he adds baptism as well to this. He's saying it's not just the flesh that's taken off when you've been circumcised. that you've this. It's more than that. So you've not just been circumcised to the heart. You've been made brand new. <laughs> you've been risen from the dead. You once walked in death, but now you're in life having been buried with him in baptism in verse 12, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised Jesus from the dead that we are empowered individuals in this reciprocal relationship, valued by what God has desired to have happen within us, enabling us then to live lives that bring glory to him, show forth Jesus's love and mercy, and is led and compelled by the Holy Spirit to do just those very things. Why? Because I'm no longer governed by my flesh because it's been taken away. And I'm no longer who I was because I have died and been made risen as new. But just to be clear, the person who was always last being picked, they still were on the team. Your unworthiness, does not keep you from being on the team. Because God's worthiness comes to you through Jesus. I want to encourage us that as we step into this, and next week when we look at it even more deeply, and the week after when we look into it a little bit more deeply, that as we see the things that are happening and the things that are battling against us and longing for our attention, and our allegiance, it can seem overwhelming. We could walk to a place of despair, a place where we think, how is this ever gonna be? Or as many of the folks that I'm walking with right now have said, how about Jesus just coming back tomorrow? Wouldn't that be great? And wouldn't it be great? Maranatha, Lord Jesus, come. But, because we don't know the time and the place, in that place of walking, it is here where we see what it means for us to have our life continue to be lived in Jesus. Go back to verse seven. Rooted and built up in him. Strengthened in the faith that is being taught to you, that you are learning, so that what? You can overflow in despair? No. So we can overflow in thankfulness. That it's in this place when we see the tragedy, when we see the fight, when we recognize the battle, when we hear those things that are trying to gain our alliance and our allegiance, what we must do is not look at it and condemn it. We look to God in thankfulness and say, thank you for bringing me out of darkness and into light. Thank you for making a way for my flesh to be removed so that I can walk with you in spirit. Thank you for making me move from death into life. Thank you for empowering me with Holy Spirit. Thank you for giving me a community of people who will walk with me as well. Thankfulness, a sign that you are walking continually in Christ is the level in which you are grateful in your life. It is a fruit that bears witness to the place that you are. The reality of where your heart is alive. And so, in this place, in this passage, we are set to know our life full in Christ is our foundation as we walk into this battle. And we can be thankful that he is with us and is already overcome. Let me pray for us. God, we are thankful for your word. We are thankful for the all that it brings for us. We are thankful that you have saved us, that you have remade us, that you have caused us to be who you wanted us to be through the work of Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit to remind us of that. And so, Jesus, we ask that if there's anything that's not from you today, that it will burn up and go away. But if there's anything from you today, that it will give you glory and honor and prepare us to do the works That you have laid out for us to do. Oh give us grateful hearts. It is in your name Jesus we pray. Amen. Let's stand as we sing together. In response.